and welcome to a special edition of Third Degree Burn. I'm your guest host, Kirk Greenfield, and we're focusing on She-Hulk Attorney at Law. This will be episode seven of the first nine episodes in season one. And we're joined with our usual cast of experts, our various hosts. We're going to start with Tim Elliott. Hello. And John Hughes. I'm sorry, John Hyatt. Pardon me. <laughs> Hi, everyone. And Brian Hughes. So you Hello. There. And Brian's son, Chris, is here. Hello. Can you so, hear him? He's sitting back. Yeah, Hello. that's fine. He's there. All right, good, good, good. We were hoping to uh, to have a couple more uh, wives and daughters uh, participate in this one because this is an interesting offbeat episode. Oh, what the hell? They're all offbeat. So how can I say that this one is even more offbeat? But uh, this was one that we really wanted some uh, input from uh, from another point of view, and maybe we'll have a guest uh, to, to join us. We'll have to see. Now, this episode um, kind of fills in some of the blanks and answers a couple of the questions about uh, what's been going on. I think in a very uh, small way, it advances the plot um, and, the, and the theme music, particularly in, in my point of view, the end theme music in the last uh, three minute flashback really sets the tone. It shifts the tone of what's going on and signals you that we're done playing games here. I don't know if the rest of you got that. Perhaps we should do a synopsis. Last week, somebody suggested that uh, that we weren't doing synopsi, and maybe that would help. So um, I will start, and, and guys, and join be, in. And before you do, we should probably yeah. just mention to everybody that uh, there will more than likely be spoilers. Yes. Well, if you Absolutely. haven't watched Every it. Every episode is going to be spoilerific. Yes. I mean, there, yes. there's no doubt about that because... Well, I mean, we're 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 kind of reviewing it, so yeah. Well, I, I get saying. that, but if you don't announce it, then someone's going to go through and say, "Oh yeah. my God, I can't believe you spoiled it for me!" Like, yeah, yeah. okay. So this is a spoiler show. So if you haven't seen it and you don't want to get spoiled, go watch it and then come back. There's going to be a couple of references back to episode six, and this is episode seven that we're discussing. I'm trying to think what the title is, and it escapes me. Recovery. Oh, the retreat. Okay, of course, repeat. So I'll, I'll start in the description, but guys, jump in if I miss a point or don't, don't emphasize something. So basically, She-Hulk met a young man last, I'm saying Jennifer Walters, rather, met a young man at the wedding in episode six and was very, um, very Same. attracted to him. His name is Joel. He doesn't Josh. seem to have... Josh? Is it Josh? No, Sorry. Josh. And he does not seem to have an agenda. We've not seen him before. He just seems to be pleasant and tactful and listens to her and nobody else has been listening to her. So she becomes attracted to him and they go on a series of dates, I'll say. I think they're over three or four days and she's pretty, pretty happy with this because he seems to be attracted to Jennifer Walters and doesn't care about She-Hulk. Each night as they stop at the door, it's a little awkward because it's not clear, are they going to shake hands? Are they going to hug? Are they going to kiss? And after a couple of false starts here, finally, finally, they they do kiss and she grabs his hand as she swings the door open and kind of pulls him in, in a very kind of nice uh, romantic gesture to, to draw him into the apartment. 
the inference is he spends the night and that they sleep together. She wakes up the next morning. He's not there. No note, nothing. But she's very happy and she's content. I think that's that's the point. And so through the course of the next three or four minutes, through the course of the day, she sends him a text. She's uh, she's you know w wants to encourage him, say, hey, that was fun. You know, I can't stop smiling. You know, let's do it again. No response from him on his uh, phone. In fact, through the entire episode, she gets zero feedback from him, which I think is very ominous and uh, foreshadowing. So through the course of this this episode, she almost immediately gets drawn into the B plot, which turns out to be the A plot, which is that Emil, what's his last name? Emil Lonsky. The, Lonsky, the, uh, the abomination who, who is on uh, probation, uh, he on parole. He's uh, at his retreat and his uh, ankle monitor has malfunctioned for some reason or has set off an alarm. So his parole officer has requested Jennifer Walters go with him to the retreat to check it out. The man is very nervous. He is very worried that he's going to meet up with the abomination. And he wants Jennifer there specifically so She-Hulk can protect him or at least deal with what he fears is going, they're going to encounter. She recognizes what's going on. She doesn't have anything better uh, cooking, and she wants some distraction from her date situation. So she goes. Um, they drive separate cars. They get to this retreat, a ranch, and it very quickly appears nothing is wrong, that Emil's ankle bracelet has malfunctioned, possibly because he was too near to an electric fence around the chicken coop. So as that is readjusted and corrected, the parole officer leaves. Jennifer, before she can leave, uh, she's in She-Hulk form now, before she can leave, um, her car gets trashed, is the best way to put it, by a couple of escapees from the Society for Creative Anachronism or a Renaissance Festival. Or, uh, they, I couldn't tell exactly what they were doing at first. It turns out that they are some minor C-list superheroes and villains, including Man Bull, and El Aguila. I don't recognize that person, but that's they're all apparently recognizable characters. Yeah, he was they a villain, no, he was a character in Power Man and Iron Fist, not a not yeah. a villain. He was I guess it was like a wannabe hero swashbuckler yeah. in New York. He's a mutant. Okay. That fits. That's how I how they played him. There are a couple other people also at this retreat. So as uh, as Emil uh, very graciously walks Jennifer around the place and shows it off to her, he invites and entreats her to um, to use the steam yurt to uh, come to a, a session to uh, hang out. She's frustrated because she has absolutely no cell phone service, and she's desperate that people be able to reach her. The end result, I'm kind of long-winded here, guys, sorry. The end result is she uh, eventually meets the other people who are in this group, and they include the porcupine, who never takes his costume off, a, a vampire character, black vampire, and I don't remember the name or the Saracen. It was Saracen. Okay, I don't know who that is, but that's, that's, he was there. 
and we already mentioned Manbull, which I thought the makeup was great on that, and then also the Matador-type character. Uh, so these four men are in, what do you call it, a group discussion with Emil, who's acting as facilitator. Jennifer walks in, discovers, oh, there's at least one bar service at this circle. And as she's trying to exploit it, she can't help but overhear the discussion between these men, which is surprisingly sensitive and at times contentious, but she's getting somewhat drawn in. A fifth person arrives, and it turns out that it's somebody we have seen before. Although if they hadn't done a very clever uh you know, previously on She-Hulk flashback, I would never have caught who that was. It is one of the four Wrecking Crew members. In fact, it is probably the, wrecker. the leader, the Wrecker himself, who I did not recognize without his costume, without his, his crowbar. But there is no question that's who it is. But and, did you recognize him? Oh. <laughs> so Jennifer wow, goes John. zero to 60 real quick pissed off that he tried to attack her uh, outside her apartment, mops up the room with him, much to the uh, dismay of the other members of the group. Emil finally calms her down and kind of invites her to sit in. She ultimately does sit in on the group and just uh, feels comfortable enough or shamed enough by the men to share her concerns about Jennifer not being as popular as She-Hulk. And so she somewhat comes to grips with that. And they also encourage her when she shares that she's waiting on a callback from a date. She shares enough that they kind of chide her into deleting his phone number out of her phone. And it is not clear to me whether she actually does it or whether she makes the motions that she does it. But as far as we know, she did. She goes to the yurt, she chills out, she has a great time, and uh, her car gets towed away. Ultimately, she's waiting for a tow truck, a wrecker, no pun intended. And uh, ultimately, when he, he does show up, she's feeling much better about herself. Uh, she says goodbye. There's some very clever banter between the various folks. And as she leaves, we think everything's happy and gay. Everything's fine. And then we have a flashback three days prior. What happened? And what we see is um, Josh waking up while she's asleep, cloning her phone, which is an evasion of privacy, and then sending an emoji text to someone that helped me out with the three characters. It basically says, got She-Hulk blood or... Yeah. Something to that effect. And he kind of grins to himself as very sinister music plays. And that's the end of the episode as I remember it. Yeah, no, there, that's, that's, is there any scene that I missed that should have been? No, oh, you got it. There's not a lot to the episode, really. I thought, there, there's a couple things I thought were really funny. A couple callbacks here and there. The obvious one was the tow truck was slot towing. Yeah. Oh. And the driver had a name badge that said Dan. I picked mm. that up, yeah. Well, good for you. I missed that. Now, the other thing was, and this is like a really weird throwback joke to Peter David, but in an issue of the Incredible Hulk 373, 
at the very end of the epi- of the issue, the Hulk, the Gray Hulk, and Betty are having an argument, and she's telling him how she needs to let uh, them work together, tolerate each other, maybe even help each other. And he's like, what do you mean, like a support group? You know, I, I could yeah. say a support group or me, the abomination and the leader all sitting around in ch- little metal chairs. And oh. it just got me thinking, this whole episode got me thinking about that particular little joke. Yeah, you know, I'm a, I'm the Hulk. I'm a gamma radiated monster. I admit it freely. Because that's you know, what she's, she's sitting there doing. It's like, I'm all this, but I really just want to be just Jen. I just want people to like me for just Jen. Right. And it's it's the same quandary that uh, Superman had starting from uh, Superman number one when John Byrne rebooted Superman, where yeah. he wanted Lois to love him for Clark, not for Superman, because he knows it. Yeah. Anyone would be covered in sweat just to be with him. And she understands that with the She-Hulk, she just would rather people like her for Jen. Well, I think it's the... We'll say this episode gives a little bit of character growth for for Jen. Uh, because it's her coming to terms with She-Hulk. You know, she said in a previous episode that She-Hulk is not who I am, it's something that happened to me. And I think she's realizing that, no, She-Hulk is as much a part of her as her who she is, and she is kind of trying to integrate She-Hulk into her Jen persona, so that they're... So this is, I think, a step so that we're going to find out she's going to be much more comfortable as she hulk going going forward so i don't think that's the message that the writers want to put forth unfortunately i mean i understand that's the direction Byrne took it when he had it and then he made her she hulk full time and that didn't in jennifer's mind cause her cost her anything you know but I don't think that that these writers and these writers are a little bit more in touch with the with the feminine side. I don't think that that's the direction they're going where she wants, you know, that kind of comfortability. She'll get it. But there's always going to be that drive to be Jen and to be respected as Jen and loved as Jen. But I think what she needs to and I think Byrne did this, that Jen and She-Hulk are not two separate people. It's not like Banner and the Hulk, where you really have two different personalities. Right. She's the same personality as She-Hulk. She just, they just call her that, you know, to the point where, and when Byrne was writing her, she was referred to as Jen as often as she was She-Hulk when she was She-Hulk. Yeah. Yeah. So I think this is a, a side of her life that she can't deny. She can't get rid of it. She can't deny it. She's stuck with it. So she might as well start dealing with it. And I think that was kind of a step in that direction. So I don't know if that's, um, to your point, Brian, if that's what the writers are trying to uh, achieve, that, you know, be, don't deny yourself, be who you are. That's right, kind of you know, what. That speech that she gave, where she's talking about that friend that you have that's more athletic and cooler and all that. And then she just kind of throws her arms out. Yeah, this is, that's who I am. That's right. That really points to a little bit of self-loathing. And this is why I wanted Fanula here, because 
I mean, definitely this is a, a point that she's going to be able to water down for us a lot easier than us guys are going to be able to do it. Christopher's just sitting here kind of almost with a bandage over his mouth because he doesn't want to say the wrong thing. It's, <laughs> but I mean, is it, is, is it just her working to become more comfortable being the two and still being herself? Or is it a little bit of self-loathing when she's the She-Hulk? Hmm. What the I wouldn't have used the term self-loathing. It might be she's almost jealous of herself that she's right. upset that everybody, the world loves She-Hulk and not Jen because I'm sure she thinks I'm this person, you know, inside I'm the same person. It's just now one, I can turn into this big green um, Amazon and everybody's going crazy. You know, why didn't you feel that way when it was just me? So I think that's going to be um, her having... I still think it's just going to be her having to kind of come to terms with um, who, she, who she is. Yeah, I think we're going heading in that direction. I think you're right. But well, they won't, yeah. obviously, for budgetary reasons, they're not going to have her be She-Hulk all the time because they can't afford that. I don't know. Um, I, don't, I, I don't know. You you have a good point. These are being produced on a budget, and some episodes seem to have more CGI in it than others, but I don't know why they couldn't. Um, you know, if the series is it, and that's a big if, um, I don't know why, if they, they wanted to, why they couldn't say, yeah, okay, all CGI She-Hulk, for the next season, or you know, they can do whatever they yeah, want. Right, right, right. But I, I noticed in this episode that they seem to have trouble with their her when she was two scenes when she first throws uh, Man Bowl when she finds them kind of fighting and they land on her car and destroy her car. Yes. She grabs she she hooks up, <clears throat> grabs him by the horns and throws him. And that was a CGI character throwing an actual character, I think. It just seemed awkward. It didn't seem to work very well. Then I'll when have she to throws, work with that again. And when she throws uh, the wrecker, she picks him up by the kind of the scruff of his neck and throws him because she realizes that he's the guy that attacked her. That didn't look very realistic either. So, I don't know if that's the, trying to... They go by so quickly, though. I didn't, it didn't take me <clears> out. I never had a thought saying, "Oh, that's got to be CGI versus real person." I just thought it was a, and you know, it, the stunt worked for me, and I was right in the story and into the next scene in the dialogue. It, it I was never, fluid enough that it didn't get yes, Exactly. Thank yeah, you. yeah. But I've got to tell you, I've kept waiting for her to say, "Why didn't you attack me anyway?" Or for her to say. I know you were after my blood. Who's behind you? And I think we still yet may see that. She may, you know, depending on how they play out the next two episodes, I think it's possible, and I'm making this up out of whole cloth, she may go back to Emil and the uh, the retreat and say, Emil, I want the wrecker. What's the contact information for his name? I'm not screwing well, around. This is life on. and death. And then, Kurt, yeah? the, the, the pieces are there to say that Emil is in on whatever's going on. 
Really? You think he is? Well, you've got not just him, but you've got the wrecker there. And I don't think the wrecker is, you know, redeem, you know, we're trying to redeem himself or whatever. I think he's playing a part. And the whole thing about getting the electric shock from the chicken coop, that's a little suspect because there it is, a retreat, a retreat where they're trying to get everybody to express themselves, to be free and all that. And they've got a chicken coop. I don't think so. Yeah, there's more to that, it seems, than... than... Well, I think I already know. I didn't pick up on that, Brian. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I wonder if that's going to lead into him, the abomination, being recruited for the Thunderbolts. And that's explaining why he's off, he's leaving his retreat, his meeting with government officials or something, maybe. Or, to your point, he could be behind... Uh, it's the intelligentsia. Is that who he they think is uh, trying to get her? I, I think her blood. I think the intelligentsia that it, it it's like a a misogynistic males only he man woman haters club kind of yes. thing, and yeah. their focus is the she hulk because she represents women <clears throat> power. And so Reddit. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, uh, but. You know what you what you have here is that right there is the the distraction, and she's been good about not really looking at it, yeah, to let it distract her. So she claims, but yes, yeah. Well, and she, so, I think she'll put it together, and then she'll flash back to the scene in the first episode where uh, Bruce said, "Your blood is, I uh, have yes. to vaporize it. Your blood's too dangerous." And then she's gonna yes. realize, oh, somebody wants my blood to either create more hulks or something. But does she know that at this point? Does she realize that I don't she tried think so. to, Not to right inject now. her, or did she no. see the bent needle of the, the hypo or anything? Well, it didn't it, dawn on her what was actually happening there. Well, and even even so so far as she ignored Saracen saying that because she just thought it was part of the whole vampire pastiche. Yeah. Oh God, I didn't even think because of that connection because he said show, yeah they want your blood then you know? in the in the the flashback it doesn't show his little text message shows that there seems to imply he's got the blood but i wanted to yeah. see him like give her a little jab or something you don't see that yeah, you, see you don't see well, the atomic powered hypodermic in this episode that we saw in right the tail end a of huge, six. huge one to do that kind of thing, you'd, that would have to be a spinal tap, and it'd be incredibly painful. I don't care who you are. Well, I think <laughs> they would have. It would have been if they're if they're showing that he did. He takes some kind of a blood sample, skin sample, something. Well, there gin, was two spots on her back that weren't there previously. Really? When she woke where up in the morning. Where did you see that? There was a. a I, I watched some of the videos on YouTube. Where they oh. talk about this um, and, and okay. various things that people have spotted. All right, uh, I didn't notice any of that. Yeah, well, it would have been nice if they'd shown that he had, like, put in some knockout drops or something in her wine or whatever it's they were something, light. so that she falls asleep and then he could jab her without her waking up. Well, I'm sure there was some jabbing going on. Well, yeah. Not to be too rude about it, but let's let me go one step further, John. Now that you've opened the door, when when he made those emojis, are we all agree that that 
the purpose or the point of it was to say, I've got the She-Hulk blood? Yeah. That's, that's what, what I, I thought for sure, but okay. yeah. The question occurred to me, since we didn't see him inject her, how did he get the blood? What, well, here's what the thing. type here's of the blood thing. did he get you're from making, her? You're making an assumption. You're yeah. making the assumption that they only need the one sample. No, they need a sample of her blood as Jen Walters. They need a sample of her blood as She-Hulk. Oh, really? So they have to have both types of needles. Think so? I think so, because I think that as, as Jen, they could pierce her skin and pull it just like well, they would well, any of us. But yeah, yeah, but why would they need two samples of blood? The blood is the same. Well, because when she turns into She-Hulk, her body, it, it, it increases in mass. I mean, we're talking about she goes from yeah, being maybe 120 pounds to 700 pounds. Yeah, but Banner's blood that transformed yeah. her was when he was not the Hulk. So he it has irradiated blood. blood all the time. Yeah, I don't. So, yeah, I don't think they need She Hulks. I think I this don't is need, just. Yeah, I think they just didn't. I think we're that, talking about probably a scientist here. Yes. Who's probably looking at things from different perspectives than just i need the blood to turn people into into hulks do you guys do you guys not think that the, speak up do you guys not think that the main villain is just like the leader i mean that's and that's, that's, what, that's what, what i, I think. keep hearing that it's going to be revealed that that's where it's going i mean because we know that he's supposed to be in the captain america movie the new leader world order new is captain it going to be tim world blake world nelson order. yeah cool i'm pretty sure yeah it is he's reprising the role but Brian, you completely caught me off guard when you said that you think Emil is in on it. That never occurred to me because I've been accepting me his, his mild, meek, reformed self. I I've bought into it ever since that first episode where he's introduced. I I have bought into it. It's like he convinced me. So if there's a reverse coming here, oh boy. Now, this is not to say that he is going to be the bad guy. There's a possible redemption arc in here anyway. But it just looks with that and that particular clue. I mean, obviously, they needed a reason for her to go out there and see him. So that was the great one to to concoct up. But, yeah. But, well, it's a chicken thing. So I can say cock. Okay. Well... Sorry, he started laughing I, you know, here. If this is California that they're in, yeah, having a ranch that has chickens or a back to nature vibe—that's not that extreme. I, no, you know, no. you, you, it may not fit yeah. in your view of what a retreat is, but I don't think that's that big of a jump. There are like yoga sessions where you have goats literally hopping on top of you. Yes. So, yeah. Like, so. Yoga. It's not that far off. But they would insist that they're all free-range chickens. Well, they were. Uh, <laughs> they were just wandering around. Yeah. So well, out, least... of a, out of the five or six people that were in the men's, what do you call it, therapy group, of, of, how many of them had connections to blood or might have been in on this? Emil? The vampire? Uh, the wrecker? Right. What about the others? No, uh, the Manbull and El Aguila. El Aguila is, not, is, is a good guy, yeah, as far as I can tell. And, you know, the thing is, he's also a mutant. And did you, you kind of heard them talk about, you know, that, that he's put it down upon because of who he is. 
And I think that was the, the, they're talking about the mutant side of him. Didn't they literally like talk about it whenever he did that thing with his sword? Like, well, they didn't do it then. They did it earlier when they were by the car. I love the the uh, the sword, the the special effect. That so was awesome. brief yep. and so dramatic. I well, that's was impressed can, by that. He can <clears throat> generate bioelectricity, and he has to use his sword as the focal point. I had to go back and look at the She-Hulk series to see if Mamble showed up in there, but it wasn't Mamble. It was, it no, no, there was Razorback, of course, and then there was Machismo. And I yeah, guess I right. just kind of conflated Man, the two together. Mamble is from Daredevil. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's, I, okay, we got to talk about this. They had, that, too, the Wrecker should have been. The Wrecker should have been Razorback. Okay, well, not, not the record. Complain. Yes, who wants up. to complain? <laughs> I'm complain again because this is the sixth episode. No, seventh seven. episode. Seventh. Yeah, this is the seventh episode. No Daredevil. Well, I'm angry. You're we not got... gonna. You're not gonna get him to the big teaser. Or probably the last episode. Well, it said that he was gonna be in for like three episodes. Well, there's. At they least say season left. one. He was yeah. already in one. Yeah. Oh, his 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 helmet. Uh, helmet. That does not count. I did not see Charlie Cox. No. I'm no I want to see them in, like arguing against each other, debating in a, a, a courtroom. That Wait a be- minute. They didn't, they won't necessarily be adversaries, even though in Marvel Comics that's true all the time. Why can he not represent Jen as she sues the crap out of the intelligentsia website? You know what I'm saying? But he, she's already got she's already got the other lawyer who would handle mm, that. Maybe I don't they're know. Gonna, that seems to be a B plot that's not going anywhere right well, now. They're gonna well, they've only got 20 minutes, Kirk. They can't do they only do so much. Yeah, they'll I, meet across the aisle. They will meet. <laughs> Uh, across the table in a courtroom, and then they'll later meet up as their respective alter egos. Yeah. Okay. Let's so, see it happen. Chris yeah. wants it now. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, definitely, definitely. Now, I gotta, go, I gotta go back to the, the 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 whole plot of this episode because number one, it was like two two plots together. The first plot was. The movie, he's just not that into you. So I kept expecting Justin Long to come in and tell her what this guy Josh is all about. And then the oh, second was that what was on the screen? What was was that the name of the movie on the screen? No. I had, okay. what, what movie? The, the only movie I saw was the the was that the Great Muppet Caper. Okay, Miss, I, Miss Piggy breaking you know breaking out of the yeah. thing. Okay. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Make your point. I... And then the other, the second half seemed like the second half of the the second season of the Fallen Rise original Parent, where they had gotten the whole little retreat camp that they'd made after they got away from being millionaires. But I don't think anybody here has ever watched that series. Are you kidding oh. me? <clears throat> I watched it all the time. <laughs> it, it was, was horrible. It was horrible and hilarious. That's good. But uh, no, the the movie he's just not that into you. That's what this whole first part felt like, you know. After she had her little tryst with Josh, and then the waiting for him to call her back, you know, it, it was it was just like Jennifer Goodwin, and he's just not that into you. Have any of you seen this movie? No, no. I have not. 
It's a good movie, though Chris couldn't even get through it because, well, he can't stand that kind of relationship crap. Oh, so he's I'm too young. Surprised he got this episode. It's coming. It's coming, Chris. Well, and, and there, it does bring up an inter- interesting question: Is that why people are not up in arms about this episode? Because it they are. They had uh, rape by deception. Right. Oh, she Good point. Consented. No, no, but, but the thing is, she she thought it was an innocent date. It wasn't a date. It was, he was basically being James Bond and seducing her to get her blood. Uh, that's a really good comparison. You know, and I mean. I felt so bad for her in the first five minutes of this. I mean, her. Her trepidation of, of should I text, should I not, and watching the phone and going about her day and and still worrying about it, that really tugged at my heartstrings. I don't know about the rest of you, but I felt really bad for her. See, now you have to watch that movie I just told you about. Yeah, yeah I, I think do. she's being a little needy. You know, needing <laughs> him to, ex- to, I mean, how long are you supposed to wait after you've had oh, a, a date like that? <laughs> Well, yeah, they discussed that and, and what have you, but I I knew when there was absolutely no note, nothing, it's like, oh, she's going to get kicked in the gut. She is going to get her heart broke, and I was just waiting for the chip to fall, and it finally did at the end of the episode, which makes me feel good that I anticipated it, but feel really bad for the character. I hope we see some righteous She-Hulk rage when she gets a hold of him. Or is he going to turn out to be the leader? It does bring up an interesting point about today's dating world. And that's the fact that with texting being used the way it is, messaging, you know, in all of its glory, is that there's really no reason to sit there and, you know, play the games. I mean, if you don't respond right away, then it's obviously, you know, it's obvious you're playing a game. Or you're playing as something else rather than being in a relationship. And nobody needs that type of gamesmanship in, in this day yeah. and age. Well, I live in a college town. And I've got to tell you that there are 18 bars downtown on Main Street where the college kids are constantly drinking, hooking up, or playing games. And I don't know how much of it is on their text, but I, it was going well before we ever got cell phones. So, you know, I've been out of the dating scene for decades at this point, and I, I, I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> John, you got a thought here? We can do what? I said, do you have a thought here? <laughs> you know, dating sucked, you know, in the, in the early 2000s, uh, just at the start of this. Yeah, you know ghosting and all that stuff um, I can only imagine it's worse now and especially with people when they when they expect you to respond within seconds um, yeah that's pretty bad <laughs> that, was, that was the thing I thought that was really interesting here is the when they cut to her on Saturday and you saw that expression on her face and you could see this has been weighing on her for days and she thinks it's all about her and what she did wrong or, you know, what she didn't notice or what she didn't get, you know? And once well, again, it was all about Jen. Well, it's her she, insecurity that she yeah. thought, well, I finally found a guy that's interested in me, not She-Hulk. 
we hooked, you know, we hooked up, we had a great time, thought it was going somewhere, and then now he's not, you know, reaching back out to her. So she's, it's that self-doubt that, well, maybe this was a fluke or something, which would make you think that if she never had a successful dating life before she ever became She-Hulk. I mean, she acts like she's never been any kind of uh, a long-term relationship. So that's that's a pretty interesting point. Well, I mean, it's it will they they write her like this is the first time we've met her, which it is as an audience. It's the first time we've met Jen seven episodes ago, but she had a life yeah. before that. So they can't act like she's a blank slate and then everything we learned about her is as we watch the episodes, you know. So Well, I mean, actually we we learned a little bit from her parents and her brother. And then we also I mean, she's a lawyer. And she's just getting to the point where, you know, her her skills are being recognized. This is what we should be have seen before she became the She Hulk. Is that you know she was getting to that point, and that's you know how things were working out. If you studied in law school, you really gave up a lot of things in your yeah. life. And yeah. then once you get into an actual law firm, you give up a lot of things as you you know dig into your career. Personal life usually takes a second place. Lawyers, doctors. Uh, any job that is just so all-encompassing like that. So it, it stands to reason that she probably never really had a, a, a heavy relationship because she just didn't have time for it. Yeah, but I don't think they're implying that she's recently out of law school. I mean, would no, you no, say she's... They, they did imply that she'd been out for a while and that she was just at the point where she was able to argue in her cases in court. That's how the first episode started. Yeah. And that's that's someone that is, you know, getting into the very meat of their career when they're finally getting recognized enough that they're not just, you know, back counsel or something like that. They're lead counsel. And it, obviously it was like her first time doing it, too. So it, it, it stands to reason that she's been all career up to this point. Well, yeah, I'm sure. Again, I'm just making assumptions based on what I saw. I could be wrong. You know what we need on this show? We need Paul Spataro. Because he can yes. uh, he yes. can review the lawyerness of the show. Yep. Oh, I wish we'd thought about that and brought him on, but maybe maybe next week we can we could yeah. we could bring him on. Yeah, please. I that would be a really good perspective. He's the man to do it. Yep. Um so Tim, no luck with Fanula? No, she's still cooking. I think she's gonna be a, a no show. Well share with Sorry, us guys. share with her our thoughts and how much we miss her and her viewpoint and see if she'll she'll maybe send some word next next week. Well I I will do this. I will ask her and then if she wants to record a little five minute her oh, cool. impression, yeah. I can tack that on to the show. Make sure she listens to us first so she can tell us where we were wrong. Yeah, yeah, that would be good. <laughs> oh, I mean, well, I wanted them to. to. She just got to say they were wrong. <laughs> right. yeah. yeah. Well, that's just implied. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, I'm going to change subjects just a little bit and talk a little bit about the lack 
of burnness in this episode. There was really only one or two burn moments. And the only reason why I call them that is because that's where the fourth wall was kind of broken. First off, when they did that little montage of her in her apartment. And I you thought saw that was great. Multiple I, it was so you consider that, that You consider that breaking the fourth wall? I, I, I consider that something that you could see Byrne doing in, in a book like that, you know, sure, to basically show all this stuff that's going on as a passage when, of time. When she walks from one side of the room behind the partition, yeah. he's sitting down on the couch and continues yeah. to pan to the right. A beautiful cinema. I love that. But And um, then when she does the whole previously on, you know, definitely talking to the the powers that be to basically give us the whole thing on the record. That was that, definitely, you know, and Very that's meta. the kind of stuff I, I, I mentioned earlier in our reviews that I said I wish they would do more. That she's addressing not the audience, us, but she's addressing the showrunners, the writers, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. producers. To so it's not as as uh, crazy as her walking out of the scene and suddenly you see the crew. But it's right. similar to that. It's like, hey, you know, fix this. I think it's still possible that she's gonna she's gonna throw a tantrum at some point and derail the the show or or take control of it. Um, you know, I may be wrong. Let's assume that Emil is is not in on it, but he knows how to reach the wrecker, and that she's gonna go after the wrecker and say, "We're not doing an episode. I want answers, and I'm taking charge of this investigation." And you know, cut to the scene where I find him. And you know, I can see, I can see some of that meta s- still coming up here that'll set us on our ear. I don't know if they're going to do it or not, but there's yeah, there's still I, ton- yeah. We're three quarters in. I don't think we're going to see that kind of stuff. No, <laughs> not yet. We get two episodes You're three left. quarters of the show when they haven't done. As a matter of fact, they've gotten less and less of that kind of stuff. I just I I, I wouldn't put eggs in the basket. And I, I wouldn't be upset over it either because it's just not what they're going to do. I got to say, I'm enjoying the series uh, and its quirkiness. And uh, especially when they draw back characters in the previously on and, and uh, you know, draw somebody that only had a bit part from earlier in the series. And there's a greater significance now to something that you heard earlier. Yeah. I think that's a sign of really good writing and that somebody put a lot of thought into this and the structure of the series or the season i i'm very impressed with that sort of thing but then i don't watch a lot of television <laughs> i only work in it you know so <laughs> you should know you should know better than the rest of us kirk well it it's different though i work in television news we're talking about entertainment in a highly edited produced streaming you know it's apples and oranges sort of it just happens to be the same medium right your your stuff is all live isn't it pretty much yep yeah we we won't talk about it right now but someday we'll we'll sit down and we'll talk about how how it really isn't live and how they make the sausage but not tonight not tonight no no and now i gotta change subjects back to the show and ask y'all what you thought about the porcupine (laughs) <laughs> oh, that was funny. That was a lot of fun. That was... caught me off guard that he was black. Did you all pick up that he was black too? With a big bushy beard? Well, well we saw him take his, thing, he takes his helmet which, off. I didn't know which porcupine he was supposed to be. They did say his name, didn't they? 
No, I don't think so. I don't well, remember. But that's the original Porcupine outfit. That's the original, looks almost yeah, like the a original, ghillie but, suit. Yeah, and that guy right there, he of course died, I think on one of his own uh, quills. quills. He did. That's what I read. I did some research. Yeah. It was in Captain America, I think. Yeah, Alexander Gentry, and he died in Captain America 315. I, I was thinking that he died by the, by the scourge, but I was completely wrong on that. I hadn't realized that he died. If I read those issues, and I probably have them in my collection, I'd totally forgotten well, his appearance. So, he's the first uh, one, and, and I think he was the one that appeared on that island that uh, Iron Man wound up on when he was fighting all the all the villains at once. It was like a hydro island uh, yeah, during the uh, whole... Uh, Roxxon? Yeah, yeah, during that whole... Uh, Justin uh, Hammer. yeah. I don't remember. What was, was, was the storyline called? Demon in a Bottle. Yeah. Right. Well, that's when he's an alcoholic. Yes, that's, that's what, what we remember. But yeah, that's the time but period. It wasn't, it wasn't this. It wasn't this porcupine. It was the second porcupine that they fought on in Demon in a Bottle. Oh, okay. But he's actually like Ant Man and Wasp villain first and foremost. Yes. Yes. And not terribly effectual. No, no he's a. D-list best. But and man, likes well, to make of course, he's got to be lower on the rug there than Eddie. Yeah, he's, he's mm -hmm. less like than Bull? Being lower? He kept showing up and being more and more fearsome in Daredevil each time he shows up. I mean, I was getting... I was getting really fatigued with him. It's like, oh, God, it's Man Bull again. <laughs> uh, you know, to the point where I, I just stopped stopped reading it. I left when I, comics all together. When so. he's first introduced, I thought he was... Who's the, the Taurus? Is it the... Yes. Uh, yes. The, Taurus from Zodiac. Zodiac. That's who I thought he was. Yeah, Van Lunt. Yeah. Somebody Van Lunt. Yeah. yeah. But he's dead too, I think. Uh, yeah. He's dead in the comics. You know, and... Uh, I suppose the guy's name Ag Aguila. What... what Who's the Aleguila. Aleguila. Uh he's depowered. I think he was depowered on M Day. At least that's according to the wiki. So oh. he was one of those fortunate or unfortunate mutants to lose their powers. But Well, Manbull was introduced into Daredevil if only because Hornhead and you know the Matador, you know. The imagery, the the um, the this, how to put it, the hornhead, Daredevil being referred to as old hornhead, mm -hmm. and so Manville plays on that. I think that was all they needed for the initial introduction. I don't think there was any thought that he was going to be a returning character uh, beyond that. But I can see this could be an introduction uh, point. I don't know how they'll spin it, but for Daredevil, uh, you know. That that man bull and daredevil and you know that, that's another possible entry point. We'll see. I don't know. Yeah. I wish they had given us a little bit of dialogue as to why these guys who seem to be villains why they're at the retreat. You know, you know, a line of dialogue that well, the they were arrested, but part of their parole they have to spend time here in therapy. You know, otherwise, why are they there? It seemed like they're there on their own 
Accord, but yes. would they yes. be I think they're being recruited? I think they're being recruited and they're just using this as a dodge. But you have guys like El Aguila and and Manbull there and Saracen to you know legitimize it. Yeah. Well again that could lead back into Thunderbolts. Yeah. You know? I'm actually uh uh wanting to drive this a little bit off topic here because I, I got a question for y'all. Um there's a character I've been waiting for specifically to see maybe in the She-Hulk. I don't know if we'll see him in the next Hulk thing. But I'm wanting to see Rick Jones. Oh, man. Oh. I don't That's, think we're ever going to get Rick Jones. I don't yeah, think I don't, we will I don't either. Think gonna, I want A-Bomb. He is, I don't know if you mean by A-Bomb. Do you he know is who so 1960s sidekick. Um, oh, so much. Man. Initially. And then becomes... You know, sidekick of the week, whether it's the Hulk or Captain America or Captain Marvel. You know. Look up A-Bomb a for a Marvel. A-Bomb for Marvel. Yeah, Rick Jones becomes A-Bomb. And I, I, I would just like to see that, because I think it would be cool if they could, like, d- drive him away from, you know, yeah. that 60 sidekick thing and make him, you know, his own character. Well, he was. Own... I mean, he was... Uh, but it's... Eh. I think it's too late to introduce him because you've already established the Hulk. You're not going to yeah. retro uh, retcon this guy that, oh, well, somehow. Well, guys, we actually, we got some other news this week that uh, Thunderbolt Ross has been recast. Yes. And it's Harrison Ford. Well, no, that it might no, be. That can't he's be going to be Red Hulk. It's a might. It's a might. It's a maybe. But didn't but, um, somebody like, say that they killed him in universe? In the MCU, he's dead? Mm-mm. Or they think he faked his death? Uh, no, I don't recall them ever saying uh, that. I'll Google that, because that's... But, yeah, I mean, like... Well, hmm. Who was well, John Hurt's character? Mr. Secretary of Defense? Yeah, he was, was well, yeah, Hurt Ross. Yeah, yeah, and John Hurt died, right? The actor is dead. Right. The actor died. Right. A terrible loss. But I thought that they were recast. The the rumor was that they were recasting uh, Harrison Ford as that uh, that character, Mister Secretary of Defense, or whatever his name was. Oh, he won't be Ross. He'll just be the new Secretary of. Well, Ross attended Tony Stark's funeral. They haven't said anything after that um, that I'm aware of. But he, bas- he, he basically took responsibility, or somewhere in there they say he took responsibility for uh, the blip happening because he's the one that basically caused the Avengers to break up. Hmm. Well, I wonder if they'll give him... A mustache that disappears when he becomes Red Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> um, but well, the the whole thing uh, backtracking to the Rick Jones thing and yeah. talking about yeah. him not MCU. Uh, in the Incredible Hulk game that came out way back in the day, uh, he was in there and he was like one of the main people who helped Hulk, like in the game. But that was based on the MCU characters. But yeah. yeah, so like you could retcon that and say that's canon. And, and, and the thing is, I think there is a market for utilizing Rick Jones, but they kind of missed the ball on it because 
the the Rick Jones is basically the Robin yes, of yes. no he's Well, no, he, that's he's no, he's the justice. Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying there, but I mean, he starts out basically being you know wanting to be Cap's sidekick and being you know Bruce's sidekick, but he's that teen character that kids grab onto. I mean. When Chris was growing up, he was more a fan of Robin than Batman. And when when he became Nightwing, he went to that too. And I, I'll say that as a teenager, I was more reading the Titans and the stories of Robin becoming Nightwing than it was Batman back then. And Rick Jones, you know, becoming something you know bigger. I mean, think about what he did for the Avengers in the Kree Scroll War. And you've got a character that's tailor-made for the youth of our country and our world well unless they well if they if they bring jones in they will i don't think he have any ties with bruce banner because to your point he's too late for that, yeah it's too late yeah. for that um yeah and what they're doing with uh miss marvel seems to be what they were did do with marvell and jones where they would mm -hmm. trade places yeah because at the end of Miss Marvel, Captain Marvel shows up and she disappears. So okay, you just you just gave me this great idea because you remember uh -oh. in the beginning of the Hulk movie, the first Hulk movie, when they showed the origin, the Hulk tore up the lab and sent Betty and Ross and everybody else to the hospital and supposedly killed several people, right? Well, cut to today, a hospital, a guy coming out of a coma, ripping the bandages <laughs> off his head, and it's Rick Jones. And he's blue. No. <laughs> okay, the blue is a personal joke between him and me. When, no, when no. he was born, he was blue. Uh, well, also because A-bomb is blue. Oh, A-bomb is blue. Well, Who like, is A-bomb you're referring to? A-bomb is Rick Jones, but like he he's become a super-powered character now. Uh, a Hulk. What? Yeah, yeah, he's he he's blue, and he looks I like, like him. It looks a little bit like Abomination. So I thought they called him A Bomb, as short for Abomination. Wasn't he? Did he kind of take over for for that character? Blonsky. Because Blonsky oh, no, was no. dead. He's a good character. Yeah, he's a good guy, but he was just like took over as the Abomination, so he called himself A Bomb. Because he got cured when. Uh, was it yeah, Professor he does Hulk? look like the Abomination. Yeah. Professor Hulk was going around curing everybody. And he cured Betty, he cured Jones, he cured he didn't cure Jen. But they could uh, do yeah, no, I, they could I, do I what they did. Go ahead, Chris. I, I just think if that if there's a market for Miss Marvel, there's definitely a market for uh, A bomb. Well, you one, what are you gonna do? He can't. He can't. He can't handle a standalone movie. So you either bring him in oh. as a supporting character, but then you've got to either give his origin story or you introduce him as, like, yeah, he was this kind of sidekick character, and now he's, you know, maybe this is why he wakes up in the hospital after being in a coma for all these years. And somehow he was irradiated because of uh, that. Well, I just. Uh, sorry. No, no, no. It's, 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 I just. 
he would show up as in a Disney Plus show, I think, and um, mm-hmm. maybe in the uh, the Thunderbolts. Maybe he'll show up there. I don't know. I, I just don't know if they'll. It depends if they have, because the Hulk's rights are so weird that they, mm-hmm. you know, Marvel can't make a standalone Hulk movie. He can only use him as a supporting character or in other films. So I don't know what the rights are for Rick Jones. Speaking of the Hulk, are they going to bring him back for at least the last episode? Or are we going to find out what happened with the Sakarans? I think that's going to lead into I Planet Hulk. I suspect that's, that's yeah. going into a major World movie somewhere, isn't it? But I don't think they can make World War Hulk. It's just like Tim said, with the rights being stuck with, they can do is it, it Universal or Paramount? It's Universal. Universal. Yeah. They do, well, they don't seem to be wanting to do standalone movies, so they would do... Uh, uh, like they're doing with um, Armor Wars, they would do it as like a eight issue or eight episode, six episode TV show. Because you couldn't do World War Hulk really in no uh, one no. movie. It, You'd have to do several episodes of it. Well, how many yeah. seasons of She-Hulk are are promised at this point? Just one there, of nine episodes, or is there more. a second season? There's more coming? Oh, I don't know. I don't know about a second season. I'm sure it got picked up. It's actually got lower streaming numbers than any of the other shows. Really? Yeah. I hear. Yeah. It seems to me the couple of blurbs that I've seen, reviewers are down on this. And I don't exactly know why, because they let other series like Loki or, or Winter Soldier and Falcon and or, you know, Hawkeye, they, they gave them room to breathe and be their own thing. Hell, they even did Deadpool with two, now three movies coming out. And that oh was offbeat. So I don't quite understand why they're it's down on this. Because this, what? okay, I don't know if you remember just how much flack Marvel got for WandaVision and the format it had those first couple episodes before it really got into it. The the the, you know, the Brady Bunch, the Dick Van Dyke show, Bewitch, yeah. all that stuff that they were doing, they got a lot of flack for that, and their numbers dropped significantly. This right here is very sitcom-y compared to all the other stuff. It's forced situations, and it's not you know necessarily as much superhero situations as it is personal situations. That's true. But I mean the 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 very elements that they're talking about in the episodes with intelligentsia and uh, the, all the misogyny and everything is also what's attacking it from the outside because it yeah. is written and directed by women and it's it's a very woman-centric show i don't care it's still good i, I understand that and many of the the, the real core comic book you know, readers that that read the books throughout the years and everything are not a part of this. But there are a lot of people that are outside of that, people that only know the MCU and don't know the comic books themselves that sit there and look at this going, what is this? I didn't want a, a rom-com. <laughs> I want I Hulk smash. I don't think any, uh, especially the Disney Plus shows, I don't think re- these shows are any of them for comic fans. Therefore, the... The, what they call normies, the general audience. Yeah, muggles. That, yeah, muggles. Exactly. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great way to put it. Muggles, um, people that only know the MCU and don't 
cared to know all this minutia that we know. They just want to sit down and watch the show. It could be reaping the uh, the results of a little bit of superhero fatigue, which I'm sure is setting in. So that because this show has come so late, it was supposed to, I think it was supposed to come out before Ms. Marvel. And now they've been putting out so many shows that it's maybe just it's saturating the market so much that... I don't think there's a, a superhero fatigue so much. I just think that the people that are watching these shows are missing the 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 the, the core. They're missing Captain America. They're missing Iron Man. They're they're mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. They're they're missing those guys and the stories that were coming from them. We've moved on past the stories that we read as kids. And now they're they're taking us into areas that even we are not familiar with. So I it, I mean, Chris, it, yeah, Chris is because he's been reading that stuff. Saracen okay. is a character from the late '90s and early 2000s. Someone that, as a reader, I'd never ever heard of before. Now I find him interesting, and I'm pretty sure he's going to turn out to truly be a vampire, even though everybody says he isn't. So we're going to see him in Charlie's Blade, maybe. Oh, if that happens, what? Well, he's saying, uh, you know, they're making a a new Blade movie, and Masharala Ali is playing him. Um, but I think they just lost the director. I have to check. Well, oh, yeah, and they're basically rewriting the entire script two months before filming. Yeah, well, that's that happens good, all. The time. That's not a good sign, though. That happens all the time. That happened to Jaws. Come on. <laughs> Well, then I hope what happened to Jaws happens to Blade. Because i got to be honest, I really love Blade as a character. And I love Marshal Ali. And I want to see him do great things with the character. Especially with that end credit scene from Eternals. Just hearing his voice made me happy. That made the movie worth it. Uh, that was about it. And also seeing the sword glow like it did. That was beautiful. Yeah. But that's kind of off topic. Uh, yeah, no. It's funny when you say that, that this, this series is for normals. This is, a, is, in a weird way, exactly why I can't get my wife to watch She-Hulk. Because she has so bought into the superheroes that she says she's not interested in seeing green people yell at each other and Hulk smash. Uh, in my words, but that's what she's saying. She's not giving this series a chance because she, of what she assumes this series is going to be. That's I want to see really the weird. Huh. Well, you just sit her down, Kirk, and uh, I know. Let her watch I know, one I know but that moment that the Wrecking Crew came up being as they were, it, what I want to see happen now, what I want, the next movie I really want to see is that Wrecking Crew attacking Avengers Mansion and then losing whatever power they have and then Count Nefaria attacking. But we'll never get that on screen. Which is sad. No, we were not. I want to know what happened to the other three members of the Wrecking Crew. They just seem to have been swept to one side. He seemed to have quit the crew. He seemed to have seen the error of his ways and he's quit. And he's trying to use his self-help retreat to redeem Mm -hmm. himself. So if he is not, in fact, playing a part, then he is actually up to something else. What were you saying, Chris? Nothing. Okay, he didn't say nothing. Say nothing. (laughs) 
Uh, we've been recording for more than an hour here. Yeah. Is there anything might, else that we need might, to, to deal with? You know, it's funny because we've talked twice as long as the episode was. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was there was a lot in the episode, but it, it was it was so different from from all the others. There's some interesting. I think there's going to be some pretty interesting stuff coming up. Um, if you like that first half, go ahead and watch that other movie I was talking about. He's just not that into you. Everybody's in it. Um, <laughs> Even Rocket Raccoon. Oh yeah, that's right, Rocket Raccoon oh, and, and Batman and Black Widow mm. and Batman and, and Justin Long. Oh, which, uh, Batman? which Batman? No, Ben Affleck. Uh, no, uh, Affleck. Oh, oh, Batfleck. Batfleck. Yeah. I want to see him come back. That came in 2009. I want to yeah. see him come back too. Ah, uh, but um, hold up, there was one more. Thing. Oh, but also it's got the voice of Karen, the uh, the the uh, uh, Jarvis of Spider-Man suit. Oh no, she's in it. Uh, she was also Iron Man's. Uh, last ai that he had in it yeah well and then she was also betty Ro jennifer connelly she was uh, betty yeah. ross in the first hulk movie with eric banna but she was also the voice of karen in peter's suit which is irony because she's married to the guy that does the voice of jarvis and played vision hmm. uh what was more that? partly oh, uh, she's in love with tom deadpool. cruise deadpool three jennifer connelly's in love with tom cruise top gun yeah Oh, that's Never. right. Yeah, yeah. She's, she's Peggy Benjamin. Did you not get that joke? No. In in the first Top Gun movie, at the very beginning, the commander of the Enterprise, so the aircraft carrier they're on, is bitching out Maverick for making the the tower run or yeah. no, whatever he did. He's also line. about doing tower runs against two air bases and one admiral's daughter. And good system, oh. Peggy Benjamin. And that's who Jennifer Connelly played. So it all comes back around full circle. Hmm. Why do I know this stuff? I don't know. But we ought to get out of here. <laughs> but right. uh, anything three. else? No. Deadpool. Just... Did you guys see the, the 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 ad campaign they did this week for Deadpool three? No, I haven't. There are two ads out there, and I don't even. They, you can't even call them ads. And uh, the first one, well, go ahead. Christopher will tell you about it because he's just bursting to talk about this. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> tell, tell him the first one. So the first one was Ryan Reynolds talking about Deadpool 3 and how he's got nothing. The writer's got nothing. They don't he's know what to do. He's got nothing. He yeah. don't know what to do. And uh, But he said he did have one thing. And in the back, walking, uh, Hugh Jackman. And uh, Ryan asked him, you want to play Wolverine one more time? And he said, yeah, sure, Ryan. And then he walks out and, off screen. And then you had another ad where they were sitting on the couch together. And they're going, okay, Deadpool 3, it's going to be so great. Here's what happens. And the two of them just sit there and start talking about all this great stuff that's going to happen. And what, A song starts playing Yeah, a song over starts them. playing over it so you can't hear actually what they're saying. Hugh Jackman uh, is talking with Ryan. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, he's yeah. coming back as Wolverine. Because they're, they're really good friends. Yeah. Okay. And they they, they, they enjoy razzing each other publicly. Uh, but yeah, Hugh Jackman is going to be Wolverine. Not this is this of course takes place before the events of Logan. Right. But he's not the same character that's in Logan. Uh, it's you know it's separate, standalone from 
the 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 Fox universe. the Fox universe Wolverine. Hmm. Or at least we think so, but we don't know how it's going to turn out yeah, because but, it's Deadpool. But Hugh Jackman had to come back for this. Yeah. So. And they both thanked Kevin Feige. Yes. Cool. It was wonderful. Well, guy, my, my dinner is ready. My wife just okay. texted me, okay. so I gotta, I gotta jump. Okay, okay. I'll, 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 I'll throw in the last tags. We'd like to know what you guys think. We'd like you to write us uh, either on our website, uh, on our uh, Facebook page, There to Be Burned, or at our email address, Gotta Get Burned at gmail.com. That's G O T T A G E T B Y R N E D at gmail.com, or leave us a review at. Apple Podcasts, formerly iTunes. We'd love to hear from you. Do you guys have anything else you want to say before we go? Thanks to our fans. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I want to thank everybody for uh, hanging out with us this long, and I hope they enjoy the show. All right. Well, say goodnight, Chris. Good night. Say goodnight, Kirk. Good night. Say goodnight, John. Good night. Say goodnight, Tim. Good night. Yeah. Say goodnight, night. Brian. Good night, Brian. <laughs> Good night. for listening you can find us and many other great shows at tutufreaks.com that's t-w-o-t-r-u-e-f-r-e-a-k-s.com third degree burn is spelled with the number three r-d-d-e-g-r-e-e-b-y-r-n-e and is part of the tutu freaks network of shows follow us on facebook and twitter just look for third degree burn spelled with the number three and burn spelled b-y-r-n-e Compliments, complaints, and recipes can be sent to gottagetburned at gmail.com. That's G-O-T-T-A-G-E-T-B-Y-R-N-E-D at gmail.com. Drop us a line and tell us how we're doing. Till next time, this has been Third Degree Burn. Some men aren't looking for anything logical, like money. They can't be bought, bullied, reasoned, or negotiated with. Some men just want to watch the world burn.